Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the balance between safety and suffering. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to remind you, I know, I know, every week I come back reminding you about PeaceWorks University, but I do it because I truly believe PeaceWorks University is your next best step. If you have enjoyed and benefited from the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is a great next step for you because we have everything organized in our membership site. And uh, you can, uh, you don't have to worry about jumping back and forth and topic to topic. You can study at your own pace. You can determine what you're going to learn. And you can learn in a variety of ways from master classes with experts in the field to trainings and conferences that I've done in the past to toolbox items that help you in your counseling and care to free ebooks, all available at PeaceWorks University. You can find out more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. ChrisMoles.org. Okay, today let's jump into a conversation about this balance between safety and suffering uh, from a biblical or theological position. You know, sometimes I will get some pushback and some feedback that we all want to provide safety. No one wants anyone to be victimized. No one wants anyone to be harmed. But how do you balance that? with the biblical benefits of suffering, that uh, a theology of suffering has taught us many wonderful truths about God's design and his ability to work through our pain and our suffering. And I would never deny that reality. So I think the questions and the feedback are valid because I do believe that we in the domestic abuse work need to understand, at least in part, a theology of suffering and definitely how it plays in to our work with victims and certainly with our work with perpetrators. You know, uh, when I hear about and read about a theology of suffering, I myself have been benefited from it. I know many of our listeners have benefited from a theology of suffering, and we're going to talk about some of those benefits in a moment. Uh, But when we think about the idea of suffering as a refining aspect of, uh, of the Christian life, as uh, a grace to us to become uh, closer to Jesus, more conformed, uh, more in uh, his likeness and his image. And the theology of suffering is incredibly rich. It's incredibly beneficial. Excuse me. It's incredibly um, robust. It is one of those things that I think we should treasure as people in the work, uh, but not necessarily something that should negate the search and work that we do for safety. So how do you balance a couple, how do you balance those things in the, in the work that we do when you know that an individual needs to be removed from suffering, but you also know that there is some theological truth to the benefits of suffering? Well, I think the first thing I'd like to just comment on is I think there's definitely uh, 
precedent for avoiding suffering. That unnecessary suffering is not is not what the scriptures are talking about. Um, for instance, um, you know, when we're talking about don't waste your cancer, well, that is something that has violated the body. Cancer is, um, you know, destroying uh, you physically. Uh, we would say a theology of suffering would teach that um, while the cancer is bad, right? It's not something that we we would wish on anyone because it's there. Don't waste this opportunity to grow in your fellowship with Jesus. However, we also would not by any means suggest that you not see your oncologist or that you um, refuse to seek treatment. We would do both, would we not? We would encourage our people to seek treatment for their cancer while at the same time appealing uh, to the Father for healing and for comfort and for peace. Those ideas of seeking help and um, growing in our pain are hand in glove. They're two sides of the same coin. And I think one of the things that we must guard against is this idea of embracing unnecessary suffering or creating aspects of suffering as if that draws us closer uh, to Jesus. And that's just not um, the case from my understanding. Theology of suffering is really our response to pain, right? Uh, in that moment, that unavoidable uh, suffering. So that brings up an interesting point. If suffering can be avoided, then does it does it conf conflict with uh, safety? And I would say no. I would say from a scriptural uh, understanding, it's okay to avoid suffering. Like take for instance the Apostle Paul. He's being threatened in Acts chapter nine, and that's the story of being lowered out, you know, escaping in the basket. You remember that? And so there was this need to flee, this need to seek uh, safety and to avoid possible pain. The same is true with Joseph and Mary. You've heard me say this before. You know, the angel comes to them following Jesus' birth um, in regards and in response to Herod's um, infanticide, his um, killing all the babies, all the children under two years old. And the angel instructs Joseph to flee, and they flee to Egypt. Uh, they don't seemingly... The scripture doesn't indicate at all that Joseph or Paul or David, when he fled Saul uh, following that um, incident of violence in the in the palace, you don't see the the scriptures wrestling with the should I stay or should I go, right? Should I should I let this pain benefit me? No, there there seems to be a real um, quick response that safety is a priority here. So it's okay, right? to embrace safety. And so when I get a question like that, and it does come, you know, especially from, from pastors and leaders who are really struggling, and I get this, I'm not going to deny this struggle. They're really struggling with the idea of, okay, if I give my stamp of approval to seeking safety, am I opening the door to divorce? Am I culpable in separating a family? 
And I think those are the wrong questions, to be quite frank. If someone in your congregation is in danger and you have the ability to speak into that, speak safety into the danger, uh, then that's not being culpable in destroying a family. The violence is destroying a family. The violence is breaking the covenant. The abuse is what's violating the individual in front of you, not your desire to see them safe. Because by saying, you know, let's work towards your safety, let's, let's get you safe, can, how can I help you be safe? You're by no means saying that you're not going to work with them to attempt restoration, reconciliation, and the party in front of you is probably not asking for permission to divorce at this point. They're just seeking help. We're talking about this balance between what is better for you from a pastoral and shepherding point of view. Is it better for me to suggest you go back in harm's way or to seek safety? And I'm going to suggest that safety is the precedent and seems to be what the um, what the saints in the, the Bible would lean towards as well. But with that said, is the theology of suffering then moot? Is it, is it unnecessary? Is it unhelpful in cases of domestic abuse? And I would say, of course not. It's very helpful. It's necessary. And it's something that we're going to be discussing when we're counseling, caring, and working with victims of domestic abuse. For me, the, the real question is, um, is, can we discuss a theology of suffering uh, when people are safe? Because it seems like we're wanting one or the other. And I'm going to suggest that we can have both. Because the assumption is that if they're currently safe, they can't benefit from discussions of suffering. But, but consider this, pastor, especially pastors and leaders, if you're listening. Disclosure of domestic violence happens. An individual seeks your help for safety, and you work with your team to provide that safety for them. You provide a safe house. You provide uh, temporary housing. You provide whatever whatever it is that your system allows you to provide. And removing them from the threat, you continue uh, to work uh, addressing the heart of the abuser, calling them to repentance, setting down concrete goals, concrete steps to change, uh, while also caring for this individual whom you've provided for safety. But they're still living under the weight of harm. They've been forced in many ways to leave their house or to have their husband leave their house. They feel the weight of the loss of, potentially the loss of a marriage and a relationship. They feel the shame of um, trying to fix things, trying to be responsible for things that, that they're not responsible for. Or they're concerned about the well-being and the outcome of their kids. And the list could go on and on and on. Do you still have a sufferer? I think the answer is yes. Just because we provide for safety doesn't mean that we shouldn't address suffering because it's present. It's present in the life of even a safe victim of domestic violence. Because we're not just addressing the past harm that's been done, which we are. We're also addressing the whirlwind of emotional and mental turmoil that's happening right now in that place of safety. So the theology of suffering can be applied. However, I think we got to apply it 
uh, in safe places. So to me, safety is the priority. And then when the timing's right, we can begin to talk about some of the aspects of, uh, of a theology of suffering. I'll give you a few that I think might be helpful if you want to jot them down. These are some of the ones that I recommend folks uh, remember. Uh, certainly this wouldn't be like a disclosure, um, safety planning, and then we cover these. I wouldn't do that. But when the individual is ready to begin their, their own work, carrying their own load, I think a theology of suffering can be tremendously helpful because, quite frankly, folks, there is purpose in pain. I'm going to grab my Bible. Uh, you'll probably hear the pages here on the, on the podcast, but I'm going to just read a passage to you that reminds us of this reality. I'm sure you know it, that there's a purpose in our pain. And it's in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28. And we know that all things, that in all things, God works for our good. Now, a lot of times we'll stop there, and you guys know this, I'm sure, but a lot of times we'll stop there and we'll be looking for this good as if um, God works all things out for the good according to our definition. Like, you know, if I just hold on, I'll get a new house, or if I just hold on, then all my family members will be healthy. But that's not the point of the passage. Listen as I continue. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. So this is a promise for believers. God's going to work all things, everything in our life, good, bad, and ugly, right? That we call that the spaghetti western theology, good, bad, and ugly. It's going to work all of that out for our good. There's something beneficial to everything in life, including our suffering. And look at verse 29, Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he did predestine, to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What's the good thing that God's planned for us? Well, it's to make us more like his son. And he wants to use the circumstances of our life, good, bad, and ugly, to make us more like Jesus. So you have been working with an individual. They're safe. They're contemplating how they're going to respond to the violence in their life maybe even the resistive violence that they've used. They're in the fog of sin and suffering and society. They're in the, um, the doubt and the questioning of, did I make the right decision? And you're working through their, you're working through their, their issues and their doubts and their fears and you come to this idea of, is there a purpose in any of this? Like, like, really, is there anything positive? And we have a promise. We have a purpose, even in our pain, that all things work together. That the, every circumstance in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, can be used by God to make me more like Jesus. So in this moment of suffering and hurt and separation and isolation and, and all the other things that are accompanying safety many times. It is possible to find purpose in the pain. Theology of suffering can be beneficial. You know, the other, another place that might help us is to think that there's provision in the pain. So there's purpose in our pain, that, that God doesn't waste anything in our life, but there's also provision in our pain. Think about uh, 1 Corinthians. Let me turn over there. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10 and uh, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what's common to man. And God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. The idea of temptation here is pressure. It's the, the pressure uh, being placed on you. And it can be the pressure of suffering. So there's provision, even in our pain, that God, um, we often hear it said, won't give you more than you can bear. But I think that's a bit trite. I think what the passage is really calling us to is to saying, God will give you strength to endure. Like God will give you strength to endure. And if you, if you are a survivor, or you know a survivor that has come out the other side, finding healing and hope, and direction in the gospel, then you can echo these words and say, yes, not only do I believe that God will give you strength to endure, to overcome, I've experienced it. I've been there. He brought me through and he can bring you through. There's purpose in our pain. There's provision in our pain. There's also power in in enduring pain. Let's take a look at that in James chapter, chapter 1. James chapter 1. Feels like I'm preaching a sermon today, running you guys around these passages. I hope you can hear my Bible turning. Uh, quick note, it is uh, the first Bible I was given when I learned how to preach 20 some odd years ago, and it is falling apart. Uh, it is just absolutely uh, falling apart. You can't see it on the audio, but it's absolutely uh, worn out and uh, has been a faithful companion. And I love the scripture, and I love this scripture in particular, that yes, safety is our priority, but as we're walking through a theology of suffering, we can remind our counselees that there's purpose in their pain, there's provision in their pain, and there's power found in enduring pain. And that's here in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That there's this power in enduring pain, that you can grow in maturity, you can be strengthened, you can be stronger than you ever were. And I want to suggest that in this particular work, if we take safety seriously and we allow people to find themselves in positions to hear, assimilate, apply the word of God, they will be stronger and um, more capable and more mature than ever, in large part because of the ways they've been violated, that they've endured great suffering Jesus has built within them this perseverance that leads to maturity. Uh, so there's power in enduring pain. And then lastly, uh, this is an interesting thought too, there's promises in the pain. And, and maybe you're listening today and you're currently in a situation where you're trying to decide whether safety is your next step. Maybe you've been told by a pastor or, or a leader who in a well-meaning way, has encouraged you to, to stay put, to put yourself in danger, and that seeking help would um, do damage to your relationship. Um, 
maybe you're vacillating back and forth, I want to let you know that that's okay. That you can uh, weigh the options and you are the one in control of your decisions. It's not your pastor. It's not your partner. It's you and that you can make informed decisions with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that there is a tremendous promise to all of us in our own pain, in our own suffering uh, that I want to make you aware of today. And that's in Hebrews chapter 4, starting around verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You today, in your own suffering, if you're presently there, you're not alone. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a great high priest who sympathizes. Not only does he sympathize, he understands. He's been someone who's been hurt and harmed and betrayed himself. He is somebody who understands your pain and your suffering. And with that understanding, have confidence that you can take your concerns, right, to the throne of grace, confidently asking God, for help. And when the time is right, when the time is prepared and correct, and maybe with the help of some friends and with some strength, you too can find safety. And in that safe place, can begin to reflect on all the ways in which you've suffered, put them in their proper place, mourn them, grieve them, but also don't allow them to rule you. Instead, see the powerful promises in our pain, the wonderful provision for our pain, the power that's there when we persevere and endure pain, and the promise of a Savior who walks with us in our pain. I hope that was helpful. I really appreciate um, all of the the wonderful theological work that's been done in this idea of, of suffering. One last piece, if you're a pastor listening, I just want to remind you that A theology of suffering alone may be incomplete for this work. So if you would also consider, you know, what the Bible says about oppression uh, and reminding yourself that it's not just speaking to the sufferers, but sometimes we're called to speak to those who create that pain, who cause that pain. Uh, One scripture that might help you reflect on that is Jeremiah 22. This is what the Lord says, starting at verse 3. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who's been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, then the kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots and horses, accompanied by officials and their people. Speak to the oppressor, confront them as well. Have a theology of oppression that allows you right, to view suffering uh, in proper perspective. I hope that was helpful, guys. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us on the PeaceWorks Podcast. We appreciate everyone 
who participates and listens. And until next time, God bless.